Jews have a major role in it. <laughs> First of all, as a disclaimer, I'm not a non-duality teacher, yes? I'm an, I'm an inviter. And first of all, the only thing you can teach is about duality. You can't teach about non-duality. Because non-duality is a negation, yes? It's not two. It, it's not a thing, yes? It's just a negation of a certain perceptual paradigm that we're in. Yeah, or dualism or duality. So you can be very clear on the description of duality, but there's no clear description of non-duality because it can't be described. Yes. It can be pointed to or indicated or intimated, but there's no way that there can be any uh, clear recognition of it. It's the seeing as we are right now. That is it. Yeah. The seeing that is under what we call a way of looking. The way of looking, I like to box it in called self-centeredness. So obviously the, the words describe the situation. This, the life or the interpretation is centered on an idea of being a self, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a separate apparatus. And the mental process is what produces this, this sense by selfing. So selfing is sort of like... Um, the basic dialogue going on in one's head. Yes. It wasn't there when we were younger. It's sort of we grew into it. Yes. So like when you and I were younger, I don't know, I wasn't in an abusive situation. So I had a sort of um, happy little childhood. I, I, I always used to like to say that, you know, my golden years were about two to four and then it went downhill from there. You know? Two to four was really, really cool. Because when I was playing, that's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't any narration, will I be playing next week? Because I didn't have any idea of time yet. Yes? And I wasn't walking around my house sort of thinking my room was too small or my mother should be prettier. And none of that was going on because the mind hadn't entertained it yet. Yes? And to me, what the mind is busily entertained today is really based on impossibility. Yeah? We've made what's implausible plausible by incredible, incessant repetition. Yes? Everything is referring and assuming just outlandish ideas <laughs> in, my, in my experience of it. And um, so what we can basically guarantee is that every one of us now, because we're alive, is in conscious contact. Yeah? There's consciousness in contact to things, to experiences here through the five gates. Yeah? This hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And in Buddhism, the sixth gate is the mind. So the mind sees a thought like uh, I would see a bird. So the mind is seeing thoughts. So those six gates are how consciousness floods out of here and to have an experience, yeah, to make contact. Yet what occurs in the in this selfing process, which is its main movement of selfing, is to claim. Yes, that's what it does. It doesn't have anything of its own, so it claims what it comes in contact with. Yeah? But it doesn't come in contact with by itself. It comes in contact with everything through consciousness. But it avoids that fact by claiming to be the one who's conscious. Yes? So conscious is, is consciousness is what's in contact, and consciousness is what's providing life, the experience of life for us, but the selfing, that self-centered system of thought and interpretation claims it, and now you become who's conscious. Yes? Consciousness loses the, impersonal, the impersonalness of it, and it now becomes very subjective. Yes? You are the one that's conscious. And therefore, when you are the one that's conscious, you can be unconscious. Yes? 
because this place is a dualistic split. If you've noticed that that's the whole point about non-duality, is to see duality as what it is, yes? So in this split of duality, consciousness, when claimed by the mental process, becomes an experience that you and I think we're having, and the experience falls on two levels, very conscious or very unconscious, and the mind just plays with degrees, going back and forth, yes? Really super conscious, really, really unconscious. And it just plays degrees, and at every degree, you as a body is fixated there, and the mind obsesses over that. Yeah. This is called self-obsession. So, the only way self can, can continue to appear to be us is by the mind's obsession over it, because it's not a fact, so it has to be entertained constantly. Yes? Or quite a lot of the time. It can't do it constantly because it is structured in time. So there are many gaps when the selfing isn't happening. Yes? And those you could call pauses or where you see the gap between thoughts. See, but the gap between thoughts tends to imply that the thoughts are really something. There's only a gap. <laughs> it's like an eternal gap. And the thoughts are sort of pasted on that gap. But our interest and attention is to the thoughts because the interest and attention is wedded to the idea of whatever is about you, and those thoughts seem to be about you. Yeah? They are about a you, but they're not about you. Yeah? They're about a, the you that is contrived as a self. So the conscious contact gets forgotten, and now it's you that's in contact. And as soon as you are in contact, you can now start entertaining the idea that you don't want to be in contact. Yes? <laughs> And all of these opinions and possibilities are generated from that one act of claiming, yes? The, the state of consciousness, which is always available at all times, now becomes something that can be improved upon and can be uh, lost by your behavior, yeah? by your actions. And so in a sense, the you that's an imaginary you becomes the most pivotal, important aspect of your whole interpretation of life. Yeah? What we call in recovery, it's playing God. It's playing God. It's just like when, if you're practicing something that's supposed to bring you closer to God, who's telling you, or what's telling you that you're getting closer or far away from God? Your head. Yeah? <laughs> I would say the head, that's the activity of the head playing God. Yeah? So the mind, or the, the mind in selfing, the conditional mind in selfing, its attribute is to play God. Yeah? Its activity is claiming. That's what it does. So instead of your, it's, it claims your life, yeah, and therefore it starts living your life out. And what occurs is, if you ever read The Course in Miracles, does anyone know about The Course? Yeah? In The Course in Miracles, there's an important uh, lesson. Well, many of them I think are, but there's one that says, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. That's what the role of this apparatus is, yes? It's to give meaning to things. That meaning can be directed from a couple of places. Let's just say two. One is self-centeredness. And therefore, that self-centeredness distributes the meaning through, when there's conscious contact, by claiming it to be the me in contact, it now distributes the meaning to everything it's in contact with, and what it thinks is in contact. Yes? Yeah, yeah. And then, if you're not self-centered and just centered, then another aspect of mind starts giving meaning to things. Yeah? And just like you react to the meaning your mind projects on things from self-centeredness, you will respond to the meaning this other aspect of mind will, will put out. Yes? To me, this is the difference between traveling heavy and traveling light. 
It doesn't say you're going to change. It doesn't promise that the terrain of your life, the geography of your life is going to change, but how you travel over whatever that is going to be will be lighter. Yes? Because it's not an experience. It's not something that's achievable. You've walked backwards almost in, this, in a sense prior to the claiming where there are states. Yeah? There's just uh, possibilities. Peace has no opposite there. Yeah? Calmness has no opposite there. Prior to the claiming of conscious contact as the you is not dualistic. Yes? It's the opposite of dualism. It's what we imply with the word non-dualism. But that non-dualism is an aspect of mind, yes? That aspect of mind is seeking expression. It will seek expression to this, just like other aspects of mind seem to be seeking expression. If you have any problem with addiction, most people who have uh, been in addiction, in recovery, will say it felt like a possession. Like alcoholism is like a possession, or like a parasite. It's like something that's seeking expression, but it can't express but through this opportunity. Well, there are a lot of mental winds that are seeking expression. Yes? And they need to find expression through this because the animal world is a much smaller spectrum. They don't kill each other for fun or for sadistic pleasure. Yes? There's a much a larger degree of expression through this apparatus. And there's a lot of winds that are blowing. Yes? And they, the easiest way they can enter into this possibility is when the mind is identified as a body, yes, as this, because then whatever blows through you, you think it's you. Yeah? <laughs> so when anger blows through you, you think you're angry. You're an angry person. When jealousy happens, I'm very jealous. No, you're not. Jealousy just happened through this because there was a possibility. So for me, mind is imminent in some way, and it's seeking expression, and it finds it here in this little play through us. It matters what's taking you over. So I find the first addiction in life that I've seen is, self, is the addiction to self. Mind is, an, is addicted to the idea, the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, special, separate entity. Yes? And in that addiction, it produces an e a dis-ease, an irritability, a restlessness. Yeah? First of all, when life is relying on something that's unreliable, which is an idea of being a self, <laughs> that, so what you're trying to rest on, or take advice from, or take your cues from, is totally agitated. There's no rest there. Yes? It's, you're constantly driven by seeking. As soon as you were born and the self started to appear after the tit, you've been seeking ever since. Constantly. Yes? So self-seeking, any life relying on that self is agitated and it's trying to seek relief from the agitation. But it doesn't know what it's resting on is the source of the agitation. It's like going into one of those cheap motels and you put the 50 cents in it and it's a massager bed. It's really not like a massage. It just moves. You're just like this. And there's really no relaxation being produced. It's like shaking you up. But there's no, you know what I mean? So it's sort of like, here we are spending all these quarters to the guy to try to get relief and relaxation. But what we're resting on is agitated. And it will not not be agitated. That's its nature. It's agitated because it's not reliable. It doesn't exist. It's a phantom. So it has to constantly be produced by the system. It's never created, but it's made by the system of thought and interpretation. That's why they say in some research that 70,000 thoughts a day happen. Now, I used to paint houses. I didn't need 70,000 thoughts to do my job. 
I mean, every place I walked into had four walls usually in a ceiling. It wasn't like a big surprise. And, you know, I didn't have to have 70,000 thoughts to go, hey, I'm hungry, I should get a sandwich. You know what I mean? What are all those thoughts usually doing? I would say they're reinforcing the idea of being a self, yes? It's like living with a hypnotist in one's head. So the I, Nima I, of that story. And the thing is with the story, it, it doesn't have any real uh, material now. So it produces a mental realm of time, yes? The past and the future, which is only being entertained now. Yes? See, the cats that are here now aren't entertaining the past and the future. We seem to be here now, but entertaining there and then. And in that there and then, all the mind needs to do is fix itself as an object, which is the body, and then it places that object anywhere it wants at any other time. And it thinks about it. Yes? And when the thinkings are going on, and you're unconscious to what's being seen, it seems like it's you that's the thinker, or you're the object of the thoughts. Yes? This is called bondage of self. And that's what I believe people are attempting to find relief in. But the difficulty with trying to, trying to relieve the bondage of self is if you're identified as self, yes, you don't know it, and self can't get out of self. So no matter how much you try to get out of it, it's actually a very f strong form of what you would call being in self. Yeah. It's sort of like if I signed up for a two-year uh, class on obsession with self, in a way that would be obsession with self. Yeah? Me studying self for two years, I would say, could be thrown into a, that's an obsession with self, you see? So self can never get out of self. So that's the important point of this message, is to sort of clarify, you're not that which is seeking to get out. Yeah? Because you're not that which believes it's in. It's not about, I have a new way to get out, because that would verify the belief in being in. I have no belief that anyone's in self. So I don't believe you need any practice to get out of self. Yeah? This is just an invitation. It's a message. It's not a 50-page dissertation. The more you hear me isn't going to do any good. <laughs> My whole job is to become obsolete. That's the whole freaking job. This is the one of the worst career choices you can make. <laughs> because I have no future whatsoever. <laughs> you know, I'm just here like a mailman. I'm inviting you. Yeah. Because if it is an imaginary problem, I'm not saying it doesn't feel real. I'm saying it's imaginary. Yeah. An imaginary problem can feel real. To you and to me, yes? But it's not real. That's the solution. So if it's an imaginary problem, how much do I need to do to get out of it? Other than to recognize it's imaginary. Yeah? The way you feel like you're out of it is that you were never in it. And that doesn't take any time. And that's one of the qualities of the other realm of mind. It's not of time, yes? Dualism is totally structured in time. Yeah. But the other modality of mind has nothing to do with time. So when you get a download from there, you'll get a sense of where it's coming from because it usually has a very strong flavor of timelessness. Yeah? And this solution is just that. If, the only, if something is not happening, what do I need to do to realize that other than to see it's not happening? Yeah. What more would I need to do? Should I get a lot of therapy about what never happened? <laughs> Yeah. If I was a therapist who dealt with what wasn't happening, my, my, my sessions would be like one minute. I'd say, hey, it's not happening. 
Huh? All right, there you go. <laughs> That's the solution. But see, when the fixed object is taken to be you, and the whole thing that causes the constant attention and interest going across all those thoughts about you is because they're about you. The you is the bonding glue, not the thoughts. Thoughts, I can have the same thoughts that are happening in someone else's head, and when they're held as theirs, I have immunity to them. When they're held here as mine, they're really flipping my whole system out. Yes? It's not the thoughts, it's the my. The my is the act of, a be, of being identified, and it's not a self. There's no noun called self, it's a verb called selfing. Yeah? The, the mental process is selfing, and it produces an illusion, or a vagueness, or infers, or we, we, it uh, appoints to, or whatever, a sense of being a self. But it can never create that, but it can make it up. Yeah? Through constant, constant selfing, if the mind is not a clear about what its nature is, it will take upon the nature that's being implied by the system. It's sort of like being plugged into one radio station, let's say called K-Paul, 24-7. Yeah? It's going to start dictating how you feel, how you think, what you buy, what you like, your political opinions. Yes? And don't think you're anything better. If you would listen to, let's say, one station 24 a day, you'd start assuming their points of view. Yeah? This is exactly what happens. Repetition is like the poison that we're trying to use in this, in this uh, setting as an antidote. That's why I say, yeah, listen to the talks if you like, or go to see people, but they're not giving you anything. It's just a catalyst for what's already so to be what's already so here. Yeah? It already is so, but it's nice when it expresses its, its, its so-ness here. Yes? So this is all like we talked the other, last night. It's like if your car broke down and you pull over to the side, and maybe you went out and you took the air filter off, and you put a couple of drops of gas in, yeah, and you have an ignition key and someone's doing it, it usually will turn over. You don't keep pouring gas in it, yeah, or it will flood it. This is what a message is. This is what an invitation is. It's a very short invitation because I have total faith in mind. Yeah. This is how it was delivered to me. I was busily practicing Vipassana and other stuff, which I have no opinion about, right or wrong. But I, was, but I did have an opinion about the template, which was overall the practicing, which it was me practicing. It was a total dualistic construct trying to lead to unity. It's impossible. A dualistic construct cannot lead to unity. It can only collapse and then the unity is revealed. But it cannot lead to unity. Two will never beget one. Yeah. It's just a matter of when it collapses, the oneness becomes obvious. That's, the, that's its value, if it has any value. Yeah. So there I was doing it, and no matter how sincere I was, in my looking, that, that form of looking, that dualistic form of looking, like I'm the one that's going to do something to get somewhere, was blinding me to the natural scene. Blinding me. And the more I looked down those ways, the blinder I was. Yeah. So, what ha all that stuff was going on, and then one day I, w I met someone and I was looking for another technique of meditation, you know, like a turbocharged something. You know. <laughs> a turbocharged Kundalini mixed with a little Vipassana and some Zen. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the lady just stopped me in my tracks and says, hey, why not ask who's the meditator? You know what I mean? Because obviously it seems like you really have a desire to know something. Maybe that w what wants to know something is what needs to be known, not as you. <laughs> and then you'll see how much you want to know things after that.
Because I'll tell you, knowing is like the booby prize. It's like in one form of Zen, you know, they say the highest form of mind is I don't know, you know which is a beautiful statement. Because in the I don't know, you're, you're relegated to finding out. And finding out is a much more convincing way of downloading knowledge than knowing. Yes? Knowing to me neuters knowledge. Yeah, because the, know, the knower actually infuses whatever is known with its own concepts. It freaking kills the message. Yeah? That's why it's difficult to share about nothing, because everyone's mind makes something out of it. Yeah? They always make it something. And the beautiful thing is, I can't stop that from happening, but I can see I'm not that which makes it something. Yeah? That I can do. If they get involved in trying to take, trying to make this mental process not to interpret dualistically is insane. It's impossible. That's its format. But if I'm not the whole center of it, if I'm not the, the axis of that whole mechanism, then you'll find out what happens when that's entertained. The mechanism loses its influence. Yes? Your attention and interest is unwedded. Yes? That unwedded to the bondage of self and now is sort of let go, freed, like free-ranged. And now that interest and attention that used to bind you to all those thoughts and all those past feelings and all those resentments and regrets and all the fears of future situations, that interest and attention is the, the, is the strength of the iron of the bondage. It's not the chains. It's the interest and attention that binds you. Yeah? When that interest and attention is freed from that activity of bonding you to this idea of being self, it's what is, enriches one's life. Yeah? It enriches one's life here. The same mechanism that bonds you enriches you because this is a dualistic expression. Yes? Truth doesn't express itself non-dualistically here. It expresses itself in a dualistic manner. It expresses itself as freedom instead of bondage. That's what it does. So the same interest and attention that I'm telling you in my own experience, my own whatever you want to call it, interest and attention is going to wherever you think you are and is being directed by whatever you think you are. And it's like a homing device. It doesn't matter how many philosophies you try to take it off its course, you've given it the scent of you by the belief and it will go by everything else and go right to you. Every time. But if you're not that... It frees that interest and attention. It gets unbound, and now it starts distributing. And what it gets interested in and starts attending to is of a no-thing nature, yes? Just like its own quality, interest and attention. It, started, it started, starts to seek its own nature, which is not of thingness. You have plenty of interest and attention to deal with things, but while they're dealing with things are going on, because the things change, right? Some come and go. What never leaves is now attended to quite a lot. Yes. This, the context of no-thingness is senseless presence. The interest and attention, yes, going here, going there, things come up, arise, depart. But that what doesn't apart, depart, that what doesn't arise, holds your attention. And that becomes the sense of presence. You, you are now attentive to which cannot be seen, felt, heard, smelled, or thought about, thank God. And then there's this, so the attention now is almost like it wraps around you. Yeah, it's not focused and concentrated, it's dispersed. Yet, you sense it. You sense it because you are that attention. You sense the space while you're seeing things. So the, f the same form of looking is activated because this apparatus will never see nothing. It's, it's, it's 
formatted to see things, the eyes of the see things, yes? That continues to go on. I would say that's a form of looking. But the seeing is seeing nothing. And nothing is always so at all times. So the seeing is completely uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. And it's, you would say, that's impossible. I would have to take a break. You're not doing it. <laughs> You're not doing it. There's nothing that has... There's nothing that's being done. It's just being entertained. And it's, in a sense, totally effortless because it's completely constant. Yeah? There's no exertion because there's no degrees. It's completely constant. So, to me, that's the, that's the freedom. Yes? To sense that presence. But I know, I know you can't sense it as a self because you'd make it something. And when you are identified as a self, if you run into constant, you're the prior constant. You are the Alpha and Omega. You will not brook another Alpha or Omega unless you can put it before you. And that's what it does. So you truth, I want to know truth. Enlightenment, I want to know enlightenment. I want this to happen to me. You seem to become the source. And then obviously the true source cannot appear to be true to you, or that would totally blow your mind. So, of course, it has to objectify everything. So now you want to get something. You're never going to get anything in any of these meetings. That's not the point of the meeting. You'll have experiences. That's a byproduct. What you get is absolutely nothing. You walked in with it, and you'll leave with it. And you can't get away from nothing. No matter how much something you get or try to make it, nothing is going to keep its quality of nothingness. It never, never gets bastardized. That's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is when you, it's sort of like in Zen, they say you see your original face, which is no face at all. But you're awestruck by it, actually. <laughs> and I found one of the natural reactions from the action figure is honor. That's <laughs> the best way you can put it. <laughs> You want to call it devotion? I would just say honor. There's an honoring of it. And uh, then the action figure is able now, instead of becoming a heat-seeking missile all day, looking, 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 it's now a form of expression. Yes? It's here to express. Yes? Not anything in particular. Whatever the situation demands. That's what happens. <laughs> and yet... The overall context hasn't been interrupted or affected by whatever else is going on. And it never will, because it's not of time. You can't go, well, it won't be there someday. It has nothing to do with a someday. Whatever quality it's, it's, it's exerting or demonstrating now is the quality it will be constantly demonstrating, because it's not of time. It's not going to diminish and erode and get old and then decide to move away from you. None of that happens. It's constantly so at all times, because it's not of time. That's why it's a reliable solution to the imaginary problem. As soon as there's a feeling of you, time is injected into the whole scene. Immediately. You can see it. Yeah? As soon as the you shows up, it took time to show up, because it's a product of a mental process. That's why when the mental process wasn't really developed when you were a kid, it wasn't showing up yet, yeah? Because it hadn't, didn't have enough time, it didn't have enough oomph to produce the sense of self. Now it does, but it takes time, yeah? 
So there's always a prior pause to it. But that pause is unnoticed very much. Very, quite, quite a lot, yeah? But that pause is really eternal. Because it doesn't have to have, just because it seems like a second in time doesn't mean it's a second. Yeah? It's got an eternal, uh, timeless flavor to it. You ever had a pause, you know, and so maybe you were having an argument with someone or something, and suddenly instead of reacting from the, you know, the knee-jerk reaction, there was a pause came over you. Yeah? Everything seems to get suspended in time. You're not saying anything, they're not saying anything, and so everything chills out. That's what it's like. It's an interruption of this linear story. Yeah? But I don't think it's an interruption. It's only seen to be that when you're in the linear story. I think it's the context of the whole story. I think every moment of time is infused with timelessness. Yeah? So therefore, your solution is always available at all times with no requirement necessary, because it's not centered in any location, be it physical or geographical, it's centered everywhere, because it's of no thingness, yes? So wherever you may seem to be, there it is. At no matter what time, there it is. Yeah? And there's no need you need to prepare for it, because it's prior to you getting there. And it will be also prior to you leaving there. You're never going to rush ahead and beat it. <laughs> So it produced for me, it just, the mind just settles in that. And so the same thing, the interest and attention that when it's an idea, your idea of being self, it produces a lot of agitation, yes. The mind gets very restless and thinks, how can I get what I want and not lose what I have, yes. That same interest and attention, when put here, rests. It's sort of like they call in, in spirituality, it abides in the truth. It's the same energy. One is, on one object, a mental object called self, Right? It's called obsession. And when it's abiding in, let's say, the center, it's called rest and peace. It's the same energy. Yeah. And if you don't believe you have faith, everyone in this room has tons of faith. Yeah? Faith is, a, is an aspect of mind we all have plenty of. How faith manifests here is, is in the vehicle you put it in. So you, if you have faith in the failed thought system, it's going to produce anxiety. It's going to produce believability in time. It's going to produce believability in things with not taking the no-thingness into consideration. You're going to take false evidence to, be, to appear real and you're going to react in kind, yes? In other words, you're going to be in the dark, yeah? And yet you have a desire to think you know. So you'll buy anything that gives you a sense of security, but you don't know squat. Because knowing is the booby prize. Finding out is revelatory. When you find out this is so, it's a done deal. When you know it's so, you keep signing up for these meetings. And I love these meetings. But if I was coming here to get something, you'd probably end up hating them. Yeah? Fuck. Well, you think maybe, you know, you look around, who got it? <laughs> Who's winning the race here? Jesus, I thought I read more books than they did. <laughs> because as soon as, the you, as soon as the mental process claims it, anything it claims is thought about. Yeah? Lots and lots of thoughts. And feelings are generated. And stories are spun. It's inevitable. That's the part of the claiming process. Once it's claimed, it's, it's actually it's, it's, uh, the base for a story. Yeah? And every story, you're on the author page. It's all about me. 
As soon as you get a little bit of agreement, ah, I knew I was right. <laughs> it's crazy. It really is. <laughs> you can put the ball down and not look back. The only reason why you keep looking back and picking it up, it's about you. The mind cherishes what it made, which is self loves it. It does. The conditional mind loves it. It's like push away, push it, come back. It's all a big game. It's all a big game. Most people don't really want to be free. They just want to want to be free. They don't there's no they have no intention of being free, that conditional mind. None whatsoever. <laughs> no. They want to look like they want to be free because it makes them feel better. Yeah. But this is a radical thing. It doesn't take any time, though it translates in time. Yeah, It may seem like it deepens and this and that. But once that unspoken yes drops in, it's a done deal. Yeah, It just may play out. It doesn't matter because you're not of that, that which is time. Yeah? It really doesn't matter if it gets it or not after that or it deepens or anything. But it probably will. Yeah, And when it deepens, more and more downloads will occur. And there will be more clarity and there will be a convincing because it's not knowing. It bypasses that whole self-centered system. And it goes to a point where you can actually be thoroughly convinced. And instead of surrendering and taking it back and surrendering again, you can actually enter a state of surrender. Yeah? So it's basically what you wanted to have an experience of to reflect how great you were becomes a state prior to you. Yeah? And then the living is from that state more than from this. Because this is seeking experience. It's not seeking states. It's seeking experiences. It wants to be the state. Yeah? It wants to be the, the constant state. It wants to be the one frame of all the other mental states that we call our experiences. Yeah? Self-centeredness is like that one frame. Yeah? All the mental states that are arising now, that are being seen where you are, are framed by self-centeredness. Yes? And therefore, to try to change what's appearing in the frame is really pointless. The thing is, is to question the frame. Because the frame's influence, though you never see it as a state, because you cause, call it to be you, but it is a state. It's a mental state, self Yeah. But you don't see it as that, so you don't see that it's a, one of the things that's just appearing. You believe it's the frame of your life. This is me, and this is my opinion, this is how I see things. But that's actually the frame of self-centeredness, yes? That frame of self-centeredness is influencing all the mental states that are arising where we are right now. It's giving it the meaning they have, yes? It's sort of the one that dissects them. It's sort of the one that categorizes them. This is unimportant. That's important. That's all being administered from self-centeredness. Yeah? If, if the frame is changed, if you see you're not that, then all those mental states have the possibility to really change. Not defined by the frame, but now they're frameless. Yeah? And so instead of the emphasis on all the things that are happening in the mental state, you'll get the sense of the space that the mental state implies, really. No matter how full it is, all it is is filling up space. But it's not filling up space with any real matter, it's just appearances. So you start sensing the, the space of all the days, 
events, yeah? The experiences, the observations, the takes. You sense the space of it, not all the particulars, because the frame is what's directing your attention and interest, yeah? To verify its framework. It is. I've seen it. So. If that's noted, and that frame gets questioned, then the mental states have an incredible quality. They come and go. <laughs> they don't land and roost where you are. <laughs> it's not like you're keeping these chickens because you love the eggs they're laying. I'm right. I'm a victim of this. You know, the chickens are let go. <laughs> the coop has been broken. Yeah. <laughs> and you sense that space, the presence. What is presence? Do you think it's a thing? It's space. It's nothingness. That's the perfume of nothingness. Is presence. Yeah. That's the. That's what's exuded by nothingness. Is the perfume of presence. It's not coming from anything. Yeah. It may come through a thing, but it's of no thingness. Yeah. So. You want to have questions? Eh? You do? Yes. Physical state, not state uh, physical pain manifested. I ran right into this bathroom, and it came and went through the uh, sewer system of this place. <laughs> no, really, my, I have a bad stomach. Something going on. But what was your what was your question? Well, what about the persistent? Hmm? Yes. Well, I have it myself. See, I got run over by a car so since I was in 1980. So I've had persistent physical pain for a long time. The conditional mind adapts to it, yes? And then it doesn't produce any suffering out of it because it doesn't claim it. Yeah? So the pain is just the pain, and then either you know what to do or not to do with it. Yeah? So sometimes it lasts longer, sometimes it's shorter. This isn't a way of getting out of pain. It's really just seeing that you're not the one that suffers. Yeah? If you're not the one that suffers, your experience of suffering may change dramatically. I don't know. You'll have to find out. Yeah? It did with me. But it's not about getting out of pain. Pain is what happens to you. A lot of pain happens. You're in you're, the physicality, and there's an awareness of what's happening in the physical, so there's pain. You're noting pain quite a lot. Yeah? This isn't about, this isn't like a panacea for anything. It's actually nothing. You're just not that which is seeking to get relief from pain. Nor are you that who's having the pain. And then see how it's held then, you know. Change the frame and then what arises may seem a lot different. If you don't change the frame, they, they may seem different, but they'll always go back to the way they were, yeah? The frame defines your mental states. You don't have a giant field of experience anymore. It's a very small spectrum because the frame is defining. If the frame is, is taken away or, or actually entertained as not a frame, then a wider lens occurs and you have a lot more possibilities, a lot more seeing, and uh, a lot of other things arise. Just a part, hmm? part of everything. Hmm? Just a part of everything. Then. What is just a part? I don't know if it's a part of everything. It's pain. Yeah. I don't mean pain. a part. I mean <laughs> a space. Yeah. 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 Ye
pain is an event here, sure. Yeah. I don't know if I'm getting clear what you say, but the only thing with me is I don't have any road answers about anything, because you'll have to find out. All I know is when I entertained the possibility I wasn't that, I saw how much that had all this influence on all of this. Yeah? So instead of trying to change this to affect that, I just questioned that, and all of this seemed to change. So it's sort of like if you looked at a, let's say, there was a row of knots called your life, yeah? Like money, relationships, health, stuff like that. And some knots were really tied tight, yeah? So you worked hard to try to loosen them, like let's say relationships, yeah? But when you loosen the relationships, maybe you read a book and you did a workshop and you felt better. And you told everyone you knew about it. But after about a month or two, it usually would tighten up. Yeah, again. And then, oh, I hate that guy. Forget that book. It didn't help me. You know? But that, getting looser, didn't really loose the other knots, like your money preoccupation or this or that. Yes? But if you would follow the row back to maybe the first knot, which I would say the knot of addiction to self, and when that loosens, I've noticed that every, it, there's a thread from there that goes to every other aspect of what you would call your life. Yeah? And so when this knot loosens, everything loosens. And then it can reconfigure in a different way. Yeah? Or it can stay exactly the same, but it will be seem somewhat different to you. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's like you know the problem. Like I said yesterday, if um, if I was born and someone put their hand on my shoulder and was there my whole life, and let's say it was producing a lot of problems, and I'd be just winging it, trying to figure out what was causing these problems, and I'd come up with a lot of answers, but none of them would bring me a, a long-lasting relief. But then one day the hand lifted. And then I would know that it was the hand by its absence, yes? So the whole thing in my experience with this, as it's translated, the mind entertained that it was not that, this structured, long-lasting, independent, separate entity, yes? And it was not the doer of the selfing, nor what's being done to by selfing or anything else. I was not the doer or anything like that. Then, that was like the hand lifting, yes? And so when I entertained that, I was not that, the relief that rushed in verified that that must have been the dilemma, yes? Yeah. But I could only know the dilemma by its absence. I can't know the dilemma when I'm in it, yes? Yeah. I can't know it completely to be free from it when I'm in it. There has to be, a, there has to be an absence. To its absence, I know it, yeah? So when the solution became more dominant than the quote-unquote problem, then the problem was seen to be the problem, yes? Instead, I was always seen from the problem looking for solutions. Yeah? But the problem was informing me where to go to look for solutions. Yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I had tons of hope dashed. Yeah? That's what happened with a lot of spirituality. I had high hopes for spirituality. And after like sitting in retreats in Thailand you know, for 14 hours in a mosquito-filled room, I got super pissed. Wow, nothing actually radically was changing. <laughs> you know? And I said, geez, I'm spending a lot of time and I feel good for a day when I leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? So my, the mind would say, well, just do longer retreats. Do more retreats. No, 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 no. I mean, the principle has been revealed. It ain't happening now. It ain't going to be happening then. Yeah? So when I entertained this, the problem lifted, and then I knew the problem by its being lifted. Yeah? And I think the only thing you can teach is duality. You can describe what we're not very well because it's something that you can see because it's appearing. Yes? 
But when it's turned to the, try to describe what you are, I think everything should be silent then. Yeah? Just to sense the pause that's not filled with thoughts and yapping, because that's what I am. That's the closest thing you can get to, is that silence or that pause or that presence. Yeah? But you can definitely tell the truth about what you're not. And I find that's the way. Some people call it the, negated, the negative way. I don't care. That's how I got to it. Yeah? It's more, of neg- it's more of a way of negation than affirmation. I'm not affirming the truth. Yes? I'm just negating what I take this to be myself. And when that was negated, I say that's the truth. Yeah? But I can't have an experience of the truth. I, only, I think truth is where I'm experiencing everything from, actually. I don't believe I can have an experience of truth. But all my experiences are actually coming from truth. Well, you don't even have to hit the switch. The game's over already. <laughs> the game never began. That's the fun of it. So realize that it's a game. Well, it's, in a way, it's like the, there is... It's actually to realize there is no game. There's an appearance of something, yes? But an appearance is just an appearance. And I actually believe you're the generator of the appearance. The mind, yes? Yes. So when... When you see the appearance, as an appearance, the game doesn't end, it really actually never began. And that means it took absolutely no time. Because to end something that was would take time, probably, yeah? But in this sense, you see it as it never was, so therefore there's no time involved. Yeah? And then you're left with your mental pants down, basically. And then you're in that pause, and it's like, woo! Yeah, yeah. And then at that point, you're really, you're in a, at that point, there's a, you're open to finding out. And now I believe this, a sense of downloads occur. And you get downloads that verify what you are entertaining as being so. Yeah? And the downloads intimate a quality after a while. And they're a quality of another modality of mind. Not of time, not of dualistic expression, not of this or that. Yes? And, and you know it, like Jesus, I think, said, you'll know the tree by the fruit. You can't see the tree. But by, by having this move through, you get an intimation of what's happening, yeah? And that intimation is how I know it, in a way. That's the closest you can get to it, yeah? You know it by being it, like Ramana Maharshi says. You know God by being God. That's the only way you can know anything, is by being it. <laughs> and this is what it is, see? But to be something, if you're already something else, the only way you can do that is to know it, Yeah? See, that's the point about the self. If, if this is the primary condition, and then this is what's going to know God, the, the knowing God is never going to trump the primary condition. Yeah? But when you see that you're not the primary condition, that's being God. Yeah. The primary condition is the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate, you know, action figure. Yes? So, that prior condition will take everything else about priorness and make it a topic to it. Yeah. It will be the false constant. Yeah. So that wants to know God because it's, it doesn't want to be God. <laughs> but this knowing God is being God. Yeah. So what you actually know, for me, is you know all the information about selfing it just distills into one revelation. I'm not that. 
And that's all you have to go to. You don't have to say, well, what am I then? That's all bullshit. That's what you're not speaking again. Yeah? Or, oh, all right, I'm now going to look for myself. No, you are the seeing of what you're not. That's what I am. The seeing of what I'm not. That's awareness. The awareness is incessantly seeing. Yes? And so, I am the seeing or the awareness of what I'm not. I, that's as close as you can get to it, if you want to get close to it. Why would I want to get close to it if I am it? <laughs> the whole point of getting close to it is, is totally mute. Yeah? Why would I want to get close to something I am? Yeah? It's like suicide. What? It's like suicide. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> I don't know about that either. Well, when I'm thinking of what you're saying, to you go down that place, it feels like suicide. To who? To this... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Life feels like suicide to that. Yeah. If you really live life, your mind would think all that suicide. I swear to God, this is like a death cult here. We're afraid of we're afraid of true life, which is leaving this formation, and we call that death, and we hold on to this, and we're living as if we're dead. <laughs> this is a bizarro place, really. We're like on we're like in vertical coffins on wheels. We're like a death death cult. And we think we're worshipping life, but we're scared shit of death. The death we call death. Which I said is the uninterrupted uh, aspect of life. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Not a little timeless piece of pie. I mean, time piece of pie, but the timelessness of it all. Uh, no, I think the mind's totally afraid of living. Yeah? I do. It has... See, to me, security is insecurity. It's the opposite of what it usually is, yeah? It's sort of like it says in the Bible, you know, the, the fox has no den and the bird... I mean, the bird has his nest and the fox has a den, but the Son of Man has no place to rest its head, yeah? So really, in truth, the mind is trying to find something to know, you know, to feel sure of. So it's picked this, yeah? It's picked the camera location, and it says, I am that, yes? So it has a false security. Yet it's, un- it's rumbling all the time because it's agitated, because there's a deep sense it's not so, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's trying to feel secure here. But to me, it's sort of like you're falling down a hole and you're grabbing, 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 grabbing. But if you stop grabbing, you realize they're wings. They're not hands, yeah? So that space may be your true space, yeah? You'd be flying again. But right now, we've taken ourselves to be knowing and grasping and embracing and holding on to and getting close of and achieving, yeah, all grasping, 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 grasping. Yeah, 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 the mental nature. But if that can stop, and then maybe these hands that you, you seem to use for glassing is how you fly. Yeah. It's a possibility, find out. sense of self, but you're not that. Yeah, Yeah, the mental process is still producing a sense of self. It's producing a sense of self, but you're not that. That's that's a little difference for me. Yeah. Yeah. But the agency, the the agency is not the self. No. The agent is the agency is not the self. That's right. Actually, but the thing is, it never was the self. It was, the agency was distorted by the self. But it never was the 
It was never the distributing factor. Self is just an appearance, the idea of self, yes? But it can distort. It's sort of like the lenses. I, find, I, I feel like this is like a camera location, yeah? And we have many lenses, not just visual, but, you know, many lenses. And so let's say undifferentiated light or the mind manifesting, which would be energy, yeah? So when it manifests in light, it comes through this thing and then it differentiates. So undifferentiated comes through here, and its differentiation is based on the condition of the, you know, the lenses and the, the old ideas and the beliefs and all that, you know, what you would call maybe a karmic imprint, so to speak, yes? And then it differentiates, and then we see it as if it's real and solid outside of ourselves, yes? We're, we're ignoring the fact that it came through, that we are that light, and we've taken ourselves to be the distribution point, the camera. So when you see that you are not the camera, then there's no conflict with differentiation and undifferentiated light. It's when you're the camera, there's a big conflict, because it doesn't want to entertain undifferentiated light, because that would negate its being the subject as the camera. So it really gets into differentiated light. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. in the way. Yeah, <laughs> Which is just the mental process claiming the eye. Right. I yeah, yeah. That's what gets in the way. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting here thinking it was sort of the same thing as that be still and know God. It's be still and be God. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is no knowing. No. It would have to be something other to you than you to know. Yeah. That's the, what throws us off, because we already think we know what we are. So we can't brook, the mind doesn't want to brook a prior knowledge of this being something else. So it's now busily knowing its idea of God, trying to know that. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It's nice if you see it, and it's not you, you'll lose interest in it. If you see it and you still think it's you, it'll just be another form of obsession. But if you really see it and it's not you, it can be illuminary. What are we, illuminating or illuminating? Illuminating. It can actually, the mind when it opens up, you know, like an aperture, like a lens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an experience maybe a month ago doing Kundalini Yoga. And we're in a position where we're holding our arms up for like 26 minutes. <laughs> so, you want this chance. Yeah. So, first I'm flying with the sensation. I don't like this. It's hurting more. Okay, I'll think of something else. Once in a while, I was able to let go, allow myself to completely experience it. It would disappear, and I go, "Oh, it's gone!" Bam, back again. That's right. But I did that a couple times. You know, just a second, I would notice. Just, just allow me, just being free. Okay, whatever. I became it. It disappeared. And, so, and my mind went, "Oh, it's gone." It came back. Yeah. 
if you would have just held it 27 minutes, everything. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it. You blew it. One more minute. Every, oh. Go back there. No, it's too late. No, no. <laughs> yeah, we said it the other day. It's simple. Like an epiphany, you know? People have epiphanies, whatever you want to call it. And I always like to joke about them because you never know you're going to have one, do you? You have to make reservations for it or call up the hotel and say, energy music and candles and like that. It just sort of, sort of intervenes in your little linear story, in the linear story of you, yes? And what happens though, usually when they end, it coincides with what you just said. There's an arising in the, the, the self-centeredness in the, the selfing system and it says, there's a claiming, oh, I just had this incredible epiphany. That's usually when it's now been boxed and neutered and put on your little spiritual mantle. And now you know it, yes? It's true, the message there was totally neutered in a, middle, in a matter of seconds. And that's what's amazing. Selfing can claim its own absence. <laughs> which actually is inherently so, because this whole life it's been absent. And it's claimed it. That's what it does. That's how it has this whole thing going. It had to claim its own absence. Because every moment is demonstrating its own absence, and yet it's claimed every freaking moment, in a way, that we seem to have in time. So it has to constantly be vigilant. Yeah? Because once it, it lets down its gods, the obviousness of its absence may come, become obvious to you. Yeah? Obviously not to you, but it's the language we have. Yeah? Yeah. So you see it. Just watch it. See what it does. And if and if you can disavow being the one who's doing it, yeah. When you see what it does, it'll be very informative. Like in recovery, we talk about self knowledge avails you nothing, and it sounds crazy, yeah. You would think self knowledge would avail you something, but and the way we view it is that's any knowledge claimed by self, yeah, will never lead you to bondage freedom from the bondage of self. You know, in other words, like you can become a professor of holes, but you'll still be falling in them. Yeah? You'll know, oh, I know exactly what this hole's like, but you're in the hole. You know, see? What's the point of that knowledge? It's not availing you anything. Yeah. So this is about knowledge, about and not and then being what being not what's claiming it, that's how it gets through. Yeah? It's like the gatekeeper gets sent around the corner for half an hour. And then some downloads occur without its claiming it and changing it. And those downloads percolate. Something happens, yes? You entertain it. That's what I like the word entertain. It's, that's how it happened with me. I was introduced to these ideas and I entertained them. Yeah? And they percolated and then they seemed to be get more downloads and then more information seemed to go through. And they, it wasn't being doctored and you know, like the intelligence, you know, you know, played with to, you know, support a, uh, you know, a pre-conclusion, you know. It was finding out, and then that finding out is a very convincing uh, knowledge, yeah. You can be thoroughly convinced. And then in a sense, it's like uh, you're not fooled again, in a way. Yeah. The, fool, the foolery is produced, but it, there's not a, your interest and attention isn't wedded to it anymore. And your interest and attention that used to bond you is now your immunity to it. Because your interest and attention is not interested in attending to that. It's recognized it's not me. Yeah? It's still going on, but it's your interest and attention that gives it its juice. When that gets removed, 
Then the interest attention is now watering another a field, yeah? It's watering another space. It's attending to another space like an incredible gardener. And then things grow in that space, yes? And those are enriching, and they feed you. This isn't like an aesthetic life. You get fed. It's a, it's a very inclusive way of going, yeah? If you have a tendency to be a monk, you may be a monk. I don't have any tendency to be a monk. So, you know, these things get enriched, yeah? Because the interest and attention is, is uh, invested in a really rich soil, not a dead, not a dead grave, yeah? You're not living from a mental cemetery. You know, trying to bring up your ghost, resuscitate what's already passed, constantly remembering, regretting, resenting, refeeling all the time. What a resentment means is to refeel. That's what most of us are doing. Every feeling's a refeeling. Everything's being hashed over by the same system, yes? Of course we want relief through drugs or anything else because we're, there's an imperative. Something's off. We're not happy. We're not satisfied. And I'll tell you, the best solution to dissatisfaction is satisfaction. <laughs> Fucking is. You don't have to write 800 page how to be satisfied. When, you'll know how to be satisfied when you're satisfied. <laughs> yeah. Keep entertaining what's satisfying. You know what I mean? You'll be satisfied. And then the satisfied will outshine circumstances and situations. Yeah? Your state won't be based on where you are or who you're with. It'll outshine where you are and who you're with. The state will be the dominant influence here. Because the, the what was the most dominant influence has been seen to be paper, thin, a papyrus, a phantom, which is the sense of you. Yeah? Once that idol falls, then God plays. Well, you said that, basically what you said, the trick to uh, seeing that is to send this gatekeeper for a walk around the block. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it happens now, today. Hope you're, hope, I, I saw your gatekeeper running down the street. Just don't follow him and it, you'll have a half hour at least. I hope this is, this hopefully in this space, because we're all here, something will be magnified that may not be obvious when we're running around. And so that's sending the gatekeeper away for a half an hour. Yes? Yeah, that's what the satsang is. It's the company of truth. It's the association with truth. Yeah, We're hoping, it's sort of like a magnifying. All these quote-unquote separate minds are just aspect, just one mind, and that one mind magnifies something when it's entertained. And that's the sense of the room when it happens, when people start feeling really strong energy in a room. It's just all mind is, it's like an unspoken yes of the mind. It's just saying, yeah, partake, let it sink in. Don't don't run like it's a, if it's a shower, luxuriate it like if it's a bath, you know? Dunk your head in there. Just let it soak you. Because it will die. It will die you out. Yes? All the false colors will fade and this one this one color will stay. Yeah. Yeah. I recognize, yeah? Yeah. Some of uh, your language. I've been part of a twelve step program for a few decades. Yeah. So I recognize some of the language, and before you quoted, other than bondage from self, which is an extraordinary chapter that I love in the big book, so to speak, I wrote down the line of myself, I am nothing, the Father, and maybe substitute God, 
does the work, and then I added presence. Presence is. So for about two or three months, I have struggled or strayed or whatever from the very thing that, through the form of life, gave me a gift in the 70s. Yes. But the challenge has been, and I'm the problem, uh, a lot of physical pain, some surgery ahead, awful depression, anxiety I've probably had for seven years kind of thing. But what I'm so grateful for is that without no, without knowing it, I've, I sense a guiding back toward a place I need to be. Yeah, great. And for that, I'm really grateful. I'm always, this thing here is used quite a lot by the, what you would call AA recovery. I swear to God. I I've done talks to all non-whatever recovering people. And every, all these people have been brittle to break come about their sister and their husband, themselves, everything like that. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, yeah. This is a seat assignment. But I would say the seat assignment has a lot to do with recovery. Yeah. Wherever I am. Yeah. Yeah. And seat assignments are just that. It's like musical chairs, yeah? The seat doesn't have an engraved my name on it. When the music comes up, I get up and walk around until it stops too. This is just a seat assignment. It's not a job or anything like that. Yeah, it's just to be an inviter. It's got its, it's, got its perks and it's got its uh, disadvantages. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, yeah. You were responding to this already, but what Ben said of this gentleman, that moment when you are experiencing the presence or what you're calling nothingness, and then your mind jumps in and says, oh, that's that, and then it's kind of off and running, and whatever just was happening, um, which was so illuminating or, and so satisfying and so full, even though it's nothingness, is, you know, then it's gone. That seems like a knee-jerk reaction to me that you know I've, I've had quite a number of times, and then I I wonder how do I work with this? Do I is there an awareness with my that I can watch this? Well, what I would say is when that comes up uh -huh. and says I just had this experience, seeing it as not you. So in other words, if there's a requirement that that can't come up for the epiphany to continue, that's one requirement too much. So when it arises. There's still, you're still seeing, you cannot but not be seeing, see that, and hopefully with this understanding that you've gone in from other meetings and this maybe this meeting, that understanding will be enough deterrent, yeah, like a good view to sort of stop that hijacking. Yeah. And then that view, though, will turn into vision after a while, yes? You'll have the vision, which is a whole other ballgame. So right now, some people who are unfamiliar with it, this would be acceptable as a view, yeah? You can accept the view of, you know, there's not, not to and all this stuff, yes? Or maybe I'm not this, this uh, vague feeling that's implied by my listening unconsciously to all these thoughts, yeah? Maybe, maybe, yeah? But that's a, an understanding or a view, yeah? But that view is almost like a, it's a substitute or a stand-in for vision, the vision of seeing, yeah? So, in other words, I'm all, I am that which is seeing would be a view. Seeing is the vision, yeah? Seeing is the vision. 
the vision's constantly going on, but sometimes it's difficult to go right to the vision, so we need a view to sort of introduce to us the, some new ideas. Yeah? And then the view brings about a, a, a certain level of diminishment, but not radical in a sense. But the view, the view in a sense, there will always be free samples of the vision. And when the vision captures the attention and interest, that's what produces the stabilization. And it's inevitable, because mind is mind. Yeah? And mind is truly vision, not view. Yeah? Mind broken down here needs a view, in a sense, an understanding, because it's crippled by its conceptuality, in a sense. But mind is, is seeing, it's pure view. Yeah? Yeah? It's, I mean, pure vision. Just zoom, 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 zoom. Yes. There's no pure view. But vision is pure, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I did. I, and so when some people call me and they go, they've been selfing, that's not it. See, there's a claiming of the selfing as they're the one that's doing it. That's the product of selfing. The feeling that you're doing the selfing is the product of selfing, not selfing. Selfing is just a verb of mind, yeah, conditional mind. It's when there's a feeling you're doing it or, oh, it's the selfing fooled me again. That's the product of selfing, the feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity that's the doer or could be fooled, yes? If you're not that, but that's, you see what used to never be seen as the selfing, that would immediately turn into the feeling of self. That's like when selfing goes on and it's watched, you know, there's an unconscious seeing of it, then there's one aspect of the selfing isn't seen, it's the feeling of being a self. That's the product of the selfing you'll start seeing that as selfing also. Yes? You'll see what you used to stop. There would be a point where you'd stop seeing the selfing and it would be you that was selfing or you being the... But that, the lens will open up more and you'll see that, that feeling of you as selfing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's nothing after that. <laughs> Once you catch the last little bit that we're not seeing, if, you, if there's a seeing of that, that's the end of its string. It just repeats and repeats and repeats, but it doesn't have an infinite length. It has a very limited length. What we're usually not doing, we're not aware of that last two inches, in a sense. That's when we see, like, 80 inches of it, something, 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 and then there's the, wh the whammo. I'm really, I'm selfing. I'm the one who's doing that. That's what we're not seeing. That's selfing also. Yeah? The feeling of being you, the feeling is fine. That is a feeling, but the being you is not. That's the selfing. Yeah? I'm feeling on this, but what my mind would usually say the onness implies I'm on. That's the lie. Yeah? It's just onness. It's not me that's on. Yeah? There's no me that's on, there's just onness. So you see when it just keeps taking it goes back and back and back, it's got a finite length. It doesn't go infinitely. Yeah? The selfing ends, and that's vision.
They're rich. And this location. Yeah. Hmm. That'll probably end. But yeah, it's rich though, isn't the loss okay. is very rich. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's part that can be part of I don't know. I can't say because it's not a formulation, but I've, you know, had that sense, and that changes. But yeah, it's very rich in a way. The sorrow is yeah, changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. It's like a grieving in a way. Yeah. A rich yeah. grieving. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, the mind. This was its baby. The idea of being a self. <laughs> it's a, it's a huge investment of time and attention. It's given it. <laughs> Yeah, there is sort of a, it can have that sense when it seems to be irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, when you don't rise it from the dead and again, and it's finally laid to rest, maybe it's time to grieve. Well, most of us are busy keep rising it from the dead every day. <laughs> let it lay, let it stay dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you'll grieve, but it won't be long. I don't think it's going to be a long-lasting thing here in time. You'll get over it. Appreciation. short period of time. That's what a good thing, like the Course of Miracles, its main, one of its main points was to save people time. Yeah, yeah. Because it didn't, it, it has the sense of the absolute, but it doesn't, it also has tons of compassion for how it seems to appear here. So what the whole Course of Miracles was about was to save people time. It says that someone who lives a life of meditation, contemplation, understanding, they're all inevitably going to work because it's the mind that's intending that. But they'll take a lot of time, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it says if you've met the course of miracles, this you're probably open to be saving some time. And that's its whole, one of its main drives, is to save you time. So it seems like that avatar functioning saved you a lot of time. Yeah? Yet there was nothing lost, yeah? You could totally grieve, but it didn't have to be drawn out. Exactly. That's what happens. I grieve more in one minute. Yeah. Absolutely letting everything go. Yeah. It's like when you're a kid. You know when a kid flips out, and three minutes later he's laughing? But those three minutes, it's like wailings of hell, you know? I mean, they're really into it, and yet they're out of it so fast. Yeah? Because this time is, is not real. It's... You know, it's not real. It's an, it's like elasticity. It's you know, like when you're having a good time, it seems to go really fast, and when you're back at work, it seems to be like an you know an epic. You know, day after, you know, I've been here. What time is it? Nine thirty. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So time is obviously elastic. Yeah, plastic. It's made into things this and that. Well, there, in a way, a lot of time can be saved yes, by how one entertains. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In other words, what you would think would take a long time to get, you can save a lot of time. Yeah. And realizing you're already there, let's say. <laughs> I like that one the best. <laughs> because I know 
if I buy into time and distance, it'll add on more time and distance. Whatever is, whatever. It's not a solid thing, yeah? The mind will play tricks with it. There'll be more hurdles and more hoops to jump through, and yeah, yeah. Hey, I thought I was supposed to be over. No, no, you've got lifetimes of purification to do. Jesus Christ, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's a sadistic little player up there. You've got to be careful, <laughs> especially if you have something really, like, uh, that you honor, be sincere, do never, ever turn it over to that. No way. No way. <laughs> yeah, so it's really about saving time. And if, really, the whole non-duality movement, in a way, is saving time. It's attempting to save time, yes? Because the goal is, is the invitation, really. The goal is, is, that, is to sense the absence of self. We're starting from there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. So we're trying to, in a way, speed it up. You know? And then people say, well, you have to do stuff. Whatever you feel, you know, you're, just, you're still going to seek expression. You know? Yeah, whatever. A path, to me, is an f- incredible form of expression. But I don't like it as a, as a, a way of achieving. It doesn't work for me anymore like that. But it's a perfect way, perfect way of expressing, yeah. So, any other questions? I have a question. Yes. Oh, you moved up a little bit. Uh, Maybe I can receive it better from a high. <laughs> yes, oh high one, tell me. <laughs> tell me. I'm here to give the masses your message. Yes. <laughs> in a trailer park with some guy I didn't know. I'd been up for four days. I left San Francisco. I went out to San Francisco March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. I ended up about an hour and a half north of San Francisco on the 21st. I had lost my friend's car. I didn't know who I was with, this guy. Yeah? And we were just drinking a bottle of Royal Gate vodka with him, watching a cowboy movie. And we were in this little trailer at the Nixus hang gliding park. And then... Uh, it was just a regular day at the office, really. I was just trying to, just trying to survive and then hopefully pop some drugs, you know. Because I didn't have any money, so I had to you know, wait for someone else to splurge. And uh, so I was watching, I was looking at this guy, and he had a bulbous nose, varicose veins on his face, and I said to myself, this guy's a bum, you know. But lo and behold, he looked back at me like I was a bum, but that's how I saw it. And that was like the moment of clarity. Something happened. And I only in hindsight I could tell you, because what happened actually is that selfing that seemed to be a constant stream got interrupted. For like three minutes, a pause overwhelmed the mind, yeah? And I had never thought, I'd always thought this was the way it was, because it had always seemed to be the way it was. I had no, never entertained the possibility it could ever stop, but it actually stopped. The selfing stopped. And it was like a portal opened, and some information downloaded, yes? And the, and, uh, what happened is I didn't pick up the, the next drink. I went out to a phone booth, and I had been in a drug and alcohol program for two years, a living place called Delancey Street that I had left ten months before, and I'd gone out and just gone crazy. Yeah? 
And then so I called them up, and they, I asked them if I could come back, and they said no, you know, because they had been they had been getting my newsletter basically. And they said you can come back in a month and have another interview. That doesn't mean you'll get in or not, but we'll interview you. But since this portal opened up. Honesty came, a little bit of honesty came with it, and I said the first honest thing I'd said in 10 months, and that is, I don't think I have a month, you know? I'm not going to make it out here at this time. I could just, it was, I could sense it. So I called a woman up I knew, and she uh, drove all the way up there, because I sounded very humble and like I was beaten. And she wanted to be of help to me, because she loved me, you know? So she drove up the hour and a half and picked me up, but in that hour and a half, I had an alcoholic miraculous recovery. I wanted to get loaded again. And I try to talk her into buying some Coke and stuff and doing all this stuff. I won't go into all the details, but uh, whatever. But she had followed that equation with me before. It hadn't been that satisfying. You know what I mean? So she said, no. She says, if you want a place to stay tonight, which is what I really wanted, because yeah? I was beat and I had nowhere to go. And uh, I said, yeah, I do. She says, you got to go to an AA meeting. So she took me to my first meeting, March 21st, 1988, and I've been sober and clean ever since. But what happened was, whatever came into that, in that portal, set off trains of circumstances that brought me into AA. And this has been a 24-year living solution from that five minutes of time, that opening. So can you imagine if you turn towards that? An honor to ship. I can. So, yeah, I felt, uh, you know, my life has just been a huge demonstration has been possessed, in a sense, by a very nasty parasitical disease called alcoholism. And it's also been relieved of that possession by a power greater than that. Yeah. And, uh, and I know I'm always, this is always going to be a possibility of a power moving through. This last occupation has been pretty nice. For 24 years, I'm very happy with it coming through, yes, or whatever, however you want to put it. And uh, and I believe by honoring the occupation and participating, I still go to a lot of AA meetings every week, four meetings a week when I'm home. I do three talks a week, and the other nights I go to AA meetings. Because we have a beautiful statement that uh, when we gather together, there's a loving God. And don't get caught up in the word God. You know, it just signifies whatever it does for you. But it's in AA, it comes from the 30s and stuff, so they use the word God. So it says... There's a loving God that expresses itself through our group conscience. So that's that's sort of my form of satsang. Yeah? I go to there, like, a lot. And I just sit in it, and the presence is obvious, and then I just hold the space, and I just love it, you know? Just love it. And because I have a fine, real strong love for it, because it took me out of hell, in a sense. It took the mind out of hell. Because the mind was in a hellish realm, and it couldn't get out of it. Self can't get out of self. So I was in a very hellish realm or, you know, the activity of mine was. And then uh, that has been relieved, yeah? Not by me or you or anyone else, but by a power greater than us. And so I would say that power greater than us is me and you and everyone else, yeah? And like Ramana says, you know God by being God. I feel that's the case. And uh, so that's it, you know? That's how it happened in a sense. But once it happened, I had the ability to be convinced, which was great. I mean, I, they, prevent, they presented me certain principles saying any life run on self-will will not be successful. I was very clear about that. Yeah? Self is what has defeated us. I was very clear about that. Yes? God, stop playing God. I realized that I'm not managerial quality. Yeah? I just can't be running the show here. It's just not, it just doesn't work. So I had all the deep evidence of it, but 
AA was like the trigger for that to ignite into a revelation. Yeah? Before, it wasn't because I self was still trying to manage the self. Yeah? So my way of managing was to avoid. You know, don't deal with it. Just, if my blo- arm was bleeding, I'd just look this way all day. Seriously. <laughs> I swear to God. I was, so ad- I was like a cockroach. I could adapt to anything. I'd land on a bottom, what we call a bottom, I'd furnish it, have it come over, and then I'd be evicted to another bottom, worse than that bottom. And it didn't, I couldn't, it was like a real, like, uh, like a satanic game of uh, that thing where you go under the, the bar. I could, it, I could, I didn't know when it was going to stop, how low I could go. It was fucking mind-boggling what levels of depravity I was uh, living in, you know? And to have that uh, totally switch around, as if it almost, and at, right up now, it's as if it never happened. And the problem doesn't exist for me at once. And I, not, it doesn't exist as me, first of all, but it doesn't exist for me at all. I never have a thought of alcohol or drugs run through the head. And it never falls into a circle of solution. And nothing. It's just like it's, it's gone. For that to be gone, to me, is a great demonstration of a power. And uh, now I, uh, yeah. And this is just a further like, uh, fruition of that. And it, but AA is my basis. That's what allows me, that's how I live here, is in AA. And we have a thing that, you know, you have it by giving it away, yes? And service is a very important part. And a lot of times when I first started doing talks to non-people who aren't in AA, I didn't even, it wouldn't really come out because I didn't see that they needed anything. I thought they, it would be much better for them to go to the nearest soup kitchen and do some service than to listen to another freaking talk. Yeah? They were just confusing themselves with all this information. Just to have a sense of getting out of oneself is, is like a 500-page scripture. If you can just get out of oneself and then honor that sensation so that you recognize what it's like to be out of that complex of selfing. Yeah? Because it's already it's happening quite often. Yeah? A lot of the time. So, yeah. So that's the whole thing. I have a great love of and I find everyone's addicted to something. That's what I say in the, some of the talks I've done in YouTube. They always pick out terrible parts I hate, but in YouTube, it's, I, I said everyone's recovering from something, but it was a joke, but it's true in a sense. The first addiction is addiction of mind to self, the idea of being a self. That spawns all other addictions. That's the ism, I said. Yeah, that's, the, that's what spawns all the other addictions. And then the addictions promote their own consequences, and it just becomes foggier and foggier. And what's never very rarely addressed is the original addiction. Very rarely addressed. And then, of course, if that doesn't address, that imperative is going to keep compounding seeking. And you're going to want relief. And you're going to do things that are crazy to get it. Even though you think you know better, you're going to shoot up or do something else again. I've seen it. I've seen people, two people I have. One person I know who has an incredible spiritual resume. I mean, I'm probably beat anyone of ours here. He went out, and uh, I ended up having to pick him up in a, a shabby hotel, motel in Lombard Street in San Francisco after he'd been smoking crack for four days. It's fucking mind-boggling, you know? So, you, whatever armor you think you've put on, the greatest armor is when you take it all off. The armor of powerlessness and... and uh, Yes, powerlessness. Yes. Stay in that, you know, that state prior to claiming. Yeah. It's always available. I Once. Got, hmm? Sorry. I got given a magnet last week that says, let go or be dragged. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah. But you don't have to let go all the time. Just you realize you're not the one that's holding on. That's the best form of letting go. Because letting go and going on will go back and forth in the mental dualistic ping pong match. But when you realize you're not which lets go or holds on, then that the game's called off, yes? Then something stabilizes. States become where you live from. Not from experiences, but states. of the self in two is an organizing principle. It tries to organize life under its umbrella. So when you have a, when you're really busy, it tends to be have a, it seems to be stronger then, yes? That's why it's good if you have time, walk outside in like big open spaces so you get a flavor of what it's like. Yes, out from that out from that um, umbrella. Yeah? It's not you that's out from it. The feeling of you is the umbrella. That's what you're out from. Well, selfing in a way is like an organizing principle. There's a lot going on here and in our relationship. So the mind, trying to produce a sense of security, organizes it under the umbrella of it's happening to me. Yeah? Or I'm the one that's doing it. Yeah? So if there's more doing, there's more I'm the one that's doing it. Yes? Yeah, yeah. The more, the lot of doing, I'm the one that's doing it. So it's easier maybe to see through when there's not so much going on. So when if you have time to walk or something outside, yeah, get a... Get a flavor of what it's like. Yeah. Can I help you? Yeah. 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 Check it out. So alien nature is really a question I don't know. For it, I would imagine it's based for you. If it's for you, yeah. If you find it works. But you have to see, if the act of selfing is to claim, the more and more you have going on, the more it can claim. And when it claims, it builds an edifice through time and, you know, accumulation. So if there's a lot going on, it seems it can sort of, it gloms them all together and glues tons of pieces. It seems to build a bigger jigsaw. If there's a few pieces, it may, you may sense the space easier in a way. Who knows? But I would say, yeah, um, I find, see, I live very simply. I just surf and, you know, I work when I need to work and then I do this when I'm asked and uh, I don't have much ambition about stuff. And that's that. But I know I don't want, I know if I own stuff, it owns you a lot of time. So I try to, you know, for, for this apparatus, it's probably, it's not really good to be totally engaged with constant, a lot of people. I mean, doing a lot of things all the time. I like rich in time. I like having a lot of time just to slack around, walk around. That's my story. See, I do a lot, but I always act as if I don't do anything. Because I don't do anything. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> but if you are doing it, you better lessen it, maybe. <laughs> like in AA, it says, practice these principles in all your affairs. Well, what I did was, I just, 
I said, well, I can't do that, so I better limit my affairs. <laughs> I can't do it. It's too much. <laughs> so let's, have, let's just live a little simple, you know? Let's not sleep with other people's wives and shit like that. Oh, God, I, I don't know if I could practice the principle of those affairs. <laughs> so, yes, this has some, you know, you have to render under Caesar what Caesar's, yes? If your house is on fire, get a pail of water. Don't try to use philosophy. Don't fucking say, oh, this, there is no house and there's no cologne. Get the water. You know? Use some skillful means. That's what happens, see? People, you know, the mind can claim anything and use it to its own advantage. So if you hear a, I'm not a self. I remember when I first was entertaining this. Of course, you'd be in a relationship and then my girlfriend would be saying, I can't believe you did that. There's no doer. I'm not there. I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> and she said, she, I don't want to say what she said, but, yeah, yeah. And then like, no, you know, knock that off, you know. Yeah, but that's a part of immaturity a lot of people grow through at times. When the mind gets this message, they, you know, oh, yeah, good. I got to get out of everything. I'm not the doer? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> but hopefully it matures and goes out. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I got, we got to, oh, we got a little time. I live in that admittance now, yeah? 
I don't get up, oh, I have to admit my powerlessness. It doesn't have to happen that way. It's just this, it's, that's the way it is. But there's tons of power then. Yeah? Can I help you there? Yeah. That's, because you're tapping into a different power. Yes, exactly. You're tapping into a power that actually has power. <laughs> You'd be surprised when this new power flows in. It's very surprising because what you were taking to be power was all just hot air, really. <laughs> this is real power. Yeah, real power. friend of ours back in where I live, he's clinically depressed. He's at a point of, I don't mind, he won't mind he's talking about it, but he actually has to, he burns himself to be here, you know, at times. It's, he burns himself on his here, on his ankles and stuff. And uh, I used to do body work on him, very dense, you know, like a cement. And, um, you know, I've never had that experience of depression. You know. Or anxiety. No. Not like what, not on the level that people, yeah, yeah, I don't, can't do it justice. So, uh, you know, all I, all I can do with that is just hold the space and let it be as it is, yeah, and he, uh, but I can't fathom what it must be like, really. I can't, I can't do it justice because I've never been there. And you, this is a very subjective place. There's no place called hell, it's all subjective, yes? The hell is of the mind's own making. And uh, one hell for another person, I could walk by it and I wouldn't recognize it at all. I don't, can't see. Yeah, that. So I don't know, you know. Uh, I've met a lot of situations where it seems totally airtight and sealed as being hopeless. Yeah? And a lot of people resist medications and benzodiazepines. Or they consider the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's all out of my range, really. And I, I would be a fool to say anything about it because I've never taken any medication. You know, I've taken tons of medication, but it wasn't prescribed. It wasn't prescribed. It was prescribed by me, but no. But, uh, but not any doctor. No, they used to call me Dr. Paul. So I don't know, you know. I would, you know, for me at this point, I think this is the uh, this is the starting point of time. Is you? That's where time starts. Yeah. Prior to this, you there is no time. When a, a baby isn't in time, yeah, it doesn't have a concept of time. It's when the you got developed that time seems to set in, and then it becomes very, very profoundly influential. Time. You may not know it, but it's it's very your your thought system is sped up constantly by time. Like the thinking, oh, i got to get this done, whatever, yeah? Time is a giant provoker of this agitation. It's like stirring the, the pot constantly, yeah? But prior to time, I would say, is the solution to all the demonstrations of what time can produce, yeah? So I don't know, like, depression and stuff for me appears in time. And I don't know... Uh, 
at that point of time, I don't have a time-based solution for that. But I, I have a sense that the timeless aspect would affect everything else that appears, yeah? What's prior? And so I always like to start and stay prior to where the you arises, yeah? Even though the you arises, because the action figure arises, but I, my mind is occupied more there, yeah? And so, and I think in a way, like many of us have suffered from trickle-down economy, but in this sense, the trickle-down effect of this, I think, can be great. The timeless leaks in or pours into the time, and it really affects it quite a lot. So, But I don't know how it would, because that's the beauty of it. You never know how it's going to work. It's not like a rote answer or a rote formula. You take this and you'll be well. It's just something, yeah? It's just an, an, introducing an influence that's not, broke, that's not let in in time. And it really does things to situations and conditions and possibilities, yes? Be it physical, be it depression, like that. So I would always go back to the first spring, wash there, and then see what happens down as it goes down. Because yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't, I'm not knowledgeable about all this stuff. I don't, yeah, I've never taken pills. I don't have, dep never had depression. I don't have anxiety, you know. I didn't have much anxiety. I had anxious anxiety, but like people have attacks and stuff, panic attacks, and they're just totally. But anxiety, you got to realize, is produced by the mind obsessing over what's not happening. Yeah, it is, because it's inherently not happening. So how is the effect being produced if it's actually not happening? How is there how is there an evoking of an effect when it's actually not happening? The mind must be obsessing or entertaining it, because it's the mind that brings about the effect. Not what you're worried about, but the worrying about it. The mind is what produces the effect. It just uses that object of, oh, I could be destitute next week, to produce like a, almost like a secretion, right? a glandular secretion of anxiety. And so it promotes more contraction and then more thinking. Yeah? But it's actually, it's sort of like milking a dead cow. It's milking the milk of anxiety out of a dead cow by thinking about stuff that's not happening. Yeah? I know, I know what actually enlivens that is the idea that it's going to be happening to you or that you're the thinker of it. If you take out that aspect of it, it weakens that whole delivery from that imaginary uh, field of not happening to produce an effect here. It does. It cuts off like the, the delivery system. <laughs> but you see that the anxiety, the anxiety is you have to, the mind is the, goes there, yeah, and it thinks about what could happen usually to me, yeah, and in that obsession, right here is the field of expression. It produces that crop from an imaginary seed, and then you experience a physiological effect called fear, but it was promoted by anxiety, yeah. And what happens is the mind now has been affecting that trigger of fear, the, the secretions, everything like that, 30 times a day, when, where our usual life, maybe eight times the whole life it would have come up, where you were, like when I was surfing once, I saw a great white. The adrenaline just drenched me, totally, yeah, to get out of there. But people, the mind is hitting that button all day over the smallest little non-thing that's not happening. 
And so you're just flooded. The whole apparatus is just toxified by, you know, secretions of fear, anxiety, 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 anxiety. Yeah? All, and what sets you up for that is being identified with the object of what you think something's going to happen to or what did happen to. Take out the fixed object. And then the, the system will, will lose its oomph. It has to have the fixed object. The fixed object is you as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Your interest and attention is wedded to all that preoccupation because there's a belief it's about you. We're questioning that. Is that you? If it's not you, it's not like the system gets dismantled. The interest and attention gets taken out of it. It runs out of gas. Yeah? So instead of listening to it, you hear it like it's in another room. But it doesn't, it doesn't dominate the situation. The conscious contact dominates the situation. Yeah? The living dominates the situation. That's what you're responding to. You're not reacting to something that's not happening all day, that's eclipsing your ability to be here. No. But I, it's not a yeoman, it's not a heroic Herculean effort. It's you see that you're not that. That's it. And then it's just a slowly or quick losing of interest. Yeah? There's no battling it or fighting it or trying to figure it out. There's just, it's just withdrawn, and it doesn't mean it's gone. There's, there's infinite interest and attention. It's just gone from that thing. Yes? And then you see the thing can be just the way it seemed to be, but it's not doing what it used to do, quote-unquote, to you, because the interest and attention isn't in it. It's been shifted. Yes? Let it free range. Your interest and attention knows what to attend to and be interested in. And it'll bring you riches back instead of empty fucking stories. Sorry. Empty <laughs> stories about a, an imaginary dead person that you resuscitate all day. It's not coming back. It never lived. Let it lay. <laughs> Move on. It's an unmarked grave. Don't go back. No flowers. Just walk away. Yeah. Oh, I wish. You know, as soon as he gets one glimpse, one bit of blip, pulls you back in. <laughs> <All right. Yeah. laughs> but I've invested so much into it. I'm That's a story. Away, you, know? you did not invest so much into it. You did not invest so much into it. The investment of, of so much interest into it has produced a big sense of it was you. That's what it produces. The sense of you doesn't come first. It's a product of the interest and attention. If your interest and attention is in selfing, there's going to be a strong self of being you, sense of being you. It's your interest and attention that bonds you. It's interest and attention that bonds us, and it's interest and attention that gives us a sense of freedom. It's the same, same elixir. It matters what kind of cup it's put in. Yeah? Don't give it that much credit. Nothing's, it, the self is empty. It's, it's filled with, it's inflated with interest and attention. That's what gives it its, its, its size and weight. It's interest and attention. And your interest and attention usually goes to whatever you think you are. If you can see that you're maybe not that, your interest and attention will naturally start leaving it. And it's going to go other places. And hopefully you'll start resting in nothingness. And then that influence will start playing in your life, and it will be huge. 
because it allows an incredible level of traveling light and not based on circumstances and situations. That's when you're in Rome, you do as Romans do. <laughs> I say I'm an alcoholic at every meeting. Because I, and see, when I, when, <laughs> when I thought I was me, I never say I was an alcoholic. <laughs> now I know I'm not me, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Whatever took me over, for sure. <laughs> yeah, people have written me about that. This, you've got to make a whole new language. It's a little too much effort, you know? Just wear the language loosely. I'm always here. I don't go... You know, some people have a tricky way of getting around it. They go, I'm a grateful member of AA. So they don't really say they're an alcoholic. <laughs> Just forget about it. I'm an alcoholic. Who cares? Yeah? Seriously. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. That's the way you can say it. It's easy. And see, the thing is, you're being used here. Yeah? When I go to a meeting... Like it or not, I'm being used. There's a lot going on. And other people are being used maybe to assist me. It's, just, it's a giant we situation, yes? And it has very little to do with you. It has, in other words, there's a message. So if you may think you have nothing to share, but if there's some people that need to hear something, it may come through you. Yeah? Because you're not the most important cog. For some reason, some aspect of mine wants to get this message across to alcoholics and addicts now. Doesn't matter if they take it or not, but before 1935, there was no message. They were lobotomized. They were the Uncle Fred up in the attic. They were the guy who went to prison. They were institutionalized. There's been no. You read the Psalms, read the Old Testament. They complain about winos way back then. They're impossible to deal with. Yeah? This has been, in this little stream, it's been a real bitch. In 1935, a portal opened up and a solution came down. And it was framed called Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was based on surrender. And it was based on service. And it was based on realizing you're not self. Yes? It was based on relying on a power greater than yourself. And you know what? It's facilitated many lives to live a sort of at least rich situation where they would have been in prison. Definitely guaranteed. Guaranteed. No ifs, ands, or buts. And so therefore, it's a live, it has, it's a live grace. It's a living message, AA. And there's a lot of grace involved in it. I sense the presence so strongly in AA. Unbelievably. And there's a lot of live grace. Yeah? But it's not for you and me. It's for, yes, us, mine. And it's there. So AA is the greatest. You know, I've seen a lot of spiritual groups. Nothing close to AA. They have, there's more demonstration in AA than anything I've ever seen. No, not much. Maybe. All of you. <laughs> I'd say many of you are addicted. Yeah. One addict sees another. It's very easy. It took me a little while, but I sort of subtle. I walked into a retreat once, and I, I made a joke, but it was serious. I said, man, I got really sick. And I said, I must be allergic to spiritual seeking, because there were tons of seeking going on. So it really made me nauseous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't eat, no, I don't really work with them. Everything's voluntary. That's what, you know, yeah. 
in AA, we don't charge or anything. No, no. Yeah, you just, yeah. But I don't work. I work with a few guys now, but actually one of them went at, both of them are, all of them are out except for one. Yeah. I thought I read something about you working specifically with addiction. I'm interested. Oh, yeah? Um, maybe I think it's wrong. It was, I think with Scott, Scott Kennedy. Were no, you, no. Were you doing something? No, no, I'm not, no. I try not to get affiliated with anyone else or anything else. But the word is used, I think, on your website and maybe even in the email that went out. Maybe the fourth step workshop we used to do. What, what was used? Like the word addiction. Oh, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, with other groups and people, I'm not affiliated. This, you know, I try not to because I don't know if I would jive with what they say. Yeah. So I don't like to do I don't like doing duets or anything either, you know. Like two people. Yeah. Like dueling banjos. No. no, I like this this way. This way. Yes. So you just mentioned that um, I'm assuming it's a few sponsees who are out right now. Yes. So how do you how does this state help you to be with that? Oh yeah, greatly. Because then you just hold the space. Things take their course, and the best teacher is life itself. If someone's not done, they're not done. You might as well get your ass kicked. It's one of the best convincers. Yeah. A lot of times you do a disservice when you try to keep someone from their bottom. The bottom is, is destined for something. It's meant to bring about a, a, a change here. Yeah. So this is a powerful mental parasite. I've seen it take over a lot of people. I have a lot of respect for it. And... Uh, it's like having a big dog in your house that's asleep, so you have the run of your house. But if that big dog wakes up, you've got to clean up after it, you've got to walk it, it's barking at you and everyone else, biting you, yeah? And there is a way to sort of have that, in this place, have that dog asleep. And I would call it the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah? Yet, the powerfulness of the disease can pull the attention and interest out of the solution because it's not, I would say, the solution, it's a way of life, into bringing you to a point of, uh, screw it, yeah? As soon as you enter that de demoralizing state of screw it, then it rushes in with solutions, let's get loaded or something. And then people have no ability to entertain what it was like, and they go out again. It's a very strong thing. I mean, that's why I find mind is like, there's many, many mental wins that are, you don't see them, but they're seeking expression. And they can seek expression here through this. They can't take form, but they can take, produce an effect through this form. Yeah? And so mind is looking to express. And uh, I've seen, other, seen certain people, there's a deep mental group called alcoholism that tends to come back over and over again and, and, and express through them. It's almost like an occupation or a parasitical takeover, yeah? And it's, sometimes it's difficult to come out from underneath it for a lot of people, yeah. So. It's just something you see. I mean, the, the success rate isn't good, really, for probably the, the best possible way to live a life free from alcoholism a day at a time. It's still not good because it's weird some of the most reluctant people for the solution are the ones who are suffering from the disease. <laughs> They're like sitting there totally obstinate, you know, and, like, and think it's a real drag to have to go to one meeting a week or something. You know, Jeez, I shouldn't have to do this. If they had cancer, they'd be running over to Mexico to get that treatment or 
you know, Croatia. But they have an incredible, incredible disease occupying the body and the mind, and they don't even want to get help. What are you going to do? Yeah. Is, is that message of no self, is that part of it, what AA is? Now it is. Not <laughs> just when you're there, but I mean in general? No, no. I'm attempting. I'm going to not record this. Okay.